Today on CityCast Philly, it's spooky season. Skeletons, pumpkin spice, and haunted houses. Personally, I'm a scaredy cat. But some people love the blood, the gore, and the thrill of haunted attractions. Today, I'm speaking with a journalist who actually looked into the business of this type of entertainment at prisons. Is it respectful to use prisons and other places where real horrors took place as Halloween fun? It's Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Journalist Hope Corrigan, you recently wrote a piece for The Marshall Project, which is a nonprofit online organization that focuses on issues related to criminal justice. And your piece focuses on haunted prisons and the tourism industry that's connected to it. You talk about a place here in Philadelphia, Eastern State Penitentiary, which is a historic prison. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose this location? Sure. So I visited Eastern State Penitentiary to report this article. And it's a former prison turned museum in Philly. Um, And every Halloween, they would have an event called Terror Behind the Walls. And what struck me as interesting and why I visited and had a conversation with Sean Kelly, the, the director of curation there, is because they have recently changed their programming for this particular event. It used to have a haunted house with evil doctors, a jailbreak, zombie inmates, that type of thing. Right. I remember also they had uh, you you could drop your car off at the parking lot and get picked up on this like like really creepy trolley that mm-hmm. had like a weird bus driver, <laughs> zombie bus driver. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so they've really changed that um, as they have much of their other programming to be more optical illusions, live performances, there's um, bars and, and food trucks. And it's highlighting the museum's mission of focusing more on mass incarceration and the history of incarceration in America in a, in a respectful way and less of this um, kind of spooky paranormal um, Halloween programming. Now, like you said, Eastern State doesn't do the terror behind the walls anymore. How did the change actually come about? Like, when did they start to have those conversations? So in recent years is when it started changing. And Eastern State had added a a really, really well done um, exhibit about mass incarceration. And I think that that kind of sparked a conversation internally in the past two years of really looking at how they wanted to approach the topic and the and the conversation and whether this um, terror behind the walls event was um, was appropriate given their other efforts to really spark a conversation about the injustices of mass incarceration. The end of the tour at Eastern State, there's a big exhibit about mass incarceration in the United States. And one of the questions it asks is, have you ever committed a crime? And it asks you to think about, you know, using an illegal drug or, or, you know, um, shoplifting or minor things. Yeah. Yeah. And it really drives home the the point that, um, a lot of people are just one mistake away from incarceration. And that's an important thing to consider when we think about these former prisons. Interesting. So it sounds like Eastern State uh, might be a place that some might say is setting a better example of how 
prison tourism can be thought of. But Hope, what made you look into this story initially? So in Louisiana, there is an uh, annual rodeo that happens at uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary, also known as Angola. And it's an event that thousands of people come to every year from around the South. And essentially incarcerated men are, with no prior training, compete for the entertainment of these visitors in rodeo events. And that struck me as something that was really interesting of how we've created this event um, that it seems a little bit exploitative, given that these men are paid for participation. And as we all know, money is very hard to come by when you're incarcerated. And so that got me thinking about other examples of tourism, of a prison tourism. And is the Angola Prison Rodeo an outlier or does this happen all over the country? And it also got me thinking, would this happen in other countries? Would something like a, a prison rodeo, um, you know, be acceptable in other countries that don't have the same approach to incarceration and the dehumanization of people who are incarcerated in this country. What other places around the country did you look into? There is one in uh, West Virginia penitentiary and visitors can sit in a defunct electric chair. There is an escape the pen escape room style game where the governor issues a quote one hour stay of execution before you can escape the 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 room. Um, Missouri State Penitentiary encourages visitors to take uh, photos in an old gas chamber that executed 40 inmates at one point in history. And the Texas Prison Museum sells, you know, a, a thing of mints that says solitary confinements, which, you know, is something that That's given so, yeah, given that solitary confinement is torture, right, um, right. It's, a, it's a little questionable. And so they, these places are spread out around the country. And, and there's also other examples of this. For example, there is a, a, a former prison turned hotel in Boston that really plays up kind of a cutesy theme for their their restaurant and hotel where the the bar is called the clink. Um, and so thinking, you know, thinking about that, it's raised some questions in other places like Eastern State Penitentiary of what's appropriate and what's not. By turning these places into sort of a, a spectacle or like a game, like you said, one of the prisons does, what kind of impact does that have? Well, it, it raises a question about how we memorialize these places. And um, I had asked Sean Kelly, the director of Eastern State Penitentiary, if, if he thought we should be thinking about these former prisons like concentration camps or plantations, because they are places of suffering and family separation. And in the case of the death penalty of, of, of execution. And so it raises a question that I think a lot of people need to just reflect on personally. And also when you think about where you're bringing children for these events, um, you know, a lot of these events are geared towards families. And so asking, you know, is this the type of conversation we want to be having about mass incarceration and the history of the penal system in the U.S. Um, with our kids or within our own family is important. You said that these places are meant for families. I'm thinking children. Is there a certain age uh, demographic that they're targeted to or because I'm not like these are really heavy topics and like explaining you know solid confinements and and, and mass incarceration to maybe 
elementary school students um, is is pretty hard. Absolutely. I mean, at West Virginia Penitentiary, um, I was looking on their TripAdvisor page when I was reporting the story, and there are photos of small children in the electric chair, the defunct electric chair that they have there. And they're smiling, posing for the picture. And I think that you know, there's there's no age targeting for this. It's family fun, and that's how it is um, advertised. And so, you know, it these are heavy topics. And I think that when we present these topics as fun, as spooky, as gamified to young children, it might send the wrong message to those children about about incarceration and about the justice system in America. So if people dressing as zombie prisoners, jumping out and scaring you could be viewed by some as not the way to go, how do businesses ethically repurpose these institutions? That's a great question. And that's something that I think has yet to be answered. Um, And, you know, there are there are different opinions about this because some people would say, you know, these old places should just be torn down and, and something else should be built there. And other people would say, well, it's history, so let's preserve it, but let's preserve it in a respectful way, as Eastern State is, is you know, attempting to do. Um, and then there are other people, you know, who might see nothing wrong with it, who might say, you know, these are places that held people who are, quote unquote, bad people. And so, you know, it's not a problem. Do you think we can learn something by touring these places? Absolutely. And I think that it all hinges on the programming and the curation. And I Mm -hmm. think that we can learn a lot of important history about the United States and about also how far we haven't come when it comes to incarceration and, and the justice system and how things are very similar in many ways to how they were in the early, you know, in the early 1900s when these places were erected. And so I think it, it can be important to, go and um, observe and, you know, reflect on how these places have played a role in American history and where we are today with mass incarceration as well. And I guess on the flip side, from a visitor's perspective, is there a way for people to visit these places, respect the history, learn without being exploitative? I do, but I think it it definitely... um, requires visiting places that treat the topic with respect. Um, and I, and, you know, doing a little bit of research about what happened at that former prison, you know, did they, did they execute people? Um, and, you know, did they use solitary confinement? That type of thing I think is important to consider. And I think that doing a little bit of research about the programming and the tone is very important when you're thinking about visiting these places. And so, for example, um, you know, Eastern State Penitentiary, they have very a very well-publicized um, exhibit, like I mentioned, about you know, mass incarceration and, and the statistics behind it and how we compare to other countries around the world. And I think that that is an excellent place to go and visit and, and learn and reflect on this topic. You didn't cover this um, in your uh, story for the Marshall Project, but uh, there is a place in Pennsylvania called Penhurst Asylum, um, which is in Spring City. It's about an hour away from Philadelphia. 
That place was a real state hospital in the early 1900s, and it was shut down after incidents of patient abuse and mistreatment was revealed. Now it hosts a haunted house every year that has actors. Um, what, what do you think about that? That's a great question. It's something I've been thinking about, too, because I've seen more examples of this um, with former asylums and state hospitals. And and I, I think it's in the same vein. I mean, I think that when we go to these places that were places of any sort of suffering, um, that, you know, these patients at this at this hospital suffered abuse at the hands of the people that work there. I don't know that 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 is a place that we should be going for fun. Um I think that it's helpful for people to do a little bit of putting yourself in another person's shoes and thinking if you had a family member who was confined to that asylum, would you be okay with people going there, drinking, having fun, taking photos, you know, um, would that be something that you're okay with? That answer may vary for for different people, but it's just a question to ask oneself for any type of these places that are hosting these, you know, paranormal, spooky Halloween um, events. Journalist Hope Corrigan, thank you so much for being here on CityCast Philly. Thank you, Trinae. We'll have a link to Hope's full story for the Marshall Project in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Artists and residents are reimagining the former Philadelphia Police Department's headquarters building, also known as the Roundhouse. According to the Philadelphia Tribune, this building opened in 1963 at 750 Ray Street. Some see it as a symbol of safety and others see the building in a different way. The city does have plans to sell it next year, but in the meantime, the city and several organizations are collecting data and feedback from residents about what they want the future of the building to be. For more information, you can check out roundhousefutures.com. And Red October is getting hot, y'all. If you're looking to get tickets to watch the Phillies in the National League Championship Series, it might be tough. According to 6ABC, the limited number of tickets that went on sale Monday morning were sold out by noon. The postseason games at Citizens Bank Park are scheduled for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if necessary. And let's hope so. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed the show, tell your people, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Exploitative. Did I say it right? Exploit, exploitative. Exploitative.